Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of Motivated Madness. I am your host Brandon Muting where we are motivated to talk about the madness in sports. Now today we have a pretty stacked show. We are going to start off with college basketball. I'm going to be giving some Big East predictions. No say on the schedule yet, but hey, we can still make some predictions here on the show. Now with the NBA, we all know the Los Angeles Lakers just won the NBA championship. So we're going to talk a little bit about that series between them and the Miami Heat. And then we're going to talk about the first 10 picks in my mock draft. It starts November 18th, and it is time to take a deeper look into things there. Talking about college football, today I'm going to be talking about playoffs, the playoff predictions of mine, and I'm actually going to talk about a couple format the College Football Commission should take a look at, maybe a different idea, maybe a different format. It should be bigger than four teams making it to the playoffs in college football. Talking about NFL football, I'm going to be talking about week five matchups, giving some predictions there. And we all know about the devastating injury to the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott. So we will be talking more about that. And of course, at the very end of the show, we have another Rankum segment. If you guys didn't listen to the last episode in my last Rankum segment, I talked about the top fantasy defenses and number one will surprise you. So go ahead and take a look at that. So diving right into things, let's talk about college basketball. Let's give some predictions for the biggie standings in the 2020 and 2021 basketball season. Let's get started with the Big East Conference. Of course, the Big East expanded to another team with the UConn Huskies making a return to their home conference. Now we got to talk about all 11 teams. So in my number 11 spot is Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas. Last year was a decent season for them, but I think they're going to fall short this year. They're losing Omar Yurtsevin, the instable turkey sensation. He did a lot for the Hoyas. However, Mac McClung, a sophomore out of Virginia, I believe he's about to be a junior. I think he's going to be able to do a little more for the Hoyas, but not enough to really do any damage in the Big East this year. Taking a look at recruitment, we have three hard commits in Jamari Sibley, a four-star power forward, Kobe Clark, a three-star shooting guard, Dante Harris, another three-star point guard, and two transfers. We have one transfer from Arkansas, whose eligibility is immediate, and that is Jalen Harris, a three-star point guard, and Chudler Bile, a small forward. Things just don't look too good for the Georgetown Hoyas this season. I do think Patrick Ewing's a good coach. They just need to get better transfers, better commits, and rebuild in college basketball. I know that it's weird to say for college basketball because it should be easier said than done, but... For the Hoyas in the 2020-2021 basketball season, it ain't looking too good. Now, in my 10th spot for the Big East standings, I have the DePaul Blue Demons under head coach Dave Letayo. Now, Dave Letayo, I think this can't be said for a whole lot of jobs, but I think COVID-19 kind of saved his job. I think if COVID-19 didn't occur, I think Dave would have been out of DePaul. And you know, DePaul, the Blue Demons were actually looking bright at the beginning. They actually went on a big winning streak. Everybody's like, there's no way they miss March Madness. Well, it doesn't look like they were going to make March Madness. There is even one of the players who tweeted out about shaving his mustache if they made the big dance. Well, that did not age well. I'm not sure if he actually did or not. But, hey, they're not at the bottom of the division in my predictions. Georgetown Hoyas took that position. So, what is it going to look like for the DePaul Blue Demons this year? I, It's hard. It's tough. Let me just put you... In this perspective, Dave Latayo is on the hot seat. It's it's going to be a tough year. 
They are losing people like DJ Williams, Larik Shriner, and it's just not looking too good for the DePaul Blue Demons. Of course, they are getting in another hard commit, Kobe Elvis, a three-star guard. Their only hard commit, but they have a few transfers. It looks like two of their transfers are unranked. One transfer raised, so Sal Nave is a three-star guard, uh, Javon Freeman Liberty, a three-star shooting guard, and a four-star small forward from George Washington University is DJ Williams. They won't sit at the bottom of the conference this year, but they're not going to do the same amount of damage they did last year at the beginning of the season, especially with limited non-conference games. Sorry to Paul Blue Demons, it looks like you're going to be looking for a new head coach next year. Now, moving on to the ninth spot in the Big East Conference, I have St. John's Red Storm under the new head coach, Mike Anderson, who didn't have a great first season, hoping to do better in his second season. But when are you going to do better when you are losing people like LJ Fagora, the junior guard who was eligible for the NBA draft. I'm not sure where his draft stock is right now. Lost Justin Cole. They also lost Thomas O'Connell and Nick Rutherford. Things for St. John's aren't looking too hot. We have gone over their recruitment in the last episode, but I'm going to go over it one more time. They have a three-star sign letter of intent in Vince Cole, a shooting guard, and three hard commits, a three-star Guard and Posh Alexander, a three-star shooting guard in Dylan Wuzuwu, and a three-star power forward in Isaiah Moore, and a transfer from George Washington. All of these transfers are coming out of George Washington. And a three-star small forward in Alnado Toro from George Washington. You know, St. John's not looking too bright. However, I could see them being better in the Big East Conference, but they're going to be playing mostly conference basketball in St. John's Red Storm just not looking too good in this big pool of big stars teams they are looking at the bottom with DePaul and Georgetown and a couple other teams I'll mention soon and coming in my eighth spot who is going to unfortunately fall in the Big East Conference is the Butler Bulldogs after a phenomenal year last year with Kamar Baldwin and Sean McDermott they are no longer beyond the team and things are going to be looking a little bit tougher for the Butler Bulldogs. Of course, they are getting commits like Scooby Johnson, a three-star power forward. Chuck Harris, a three-star point guard. Miles Tate, a three-star point guard. Jacoby Coles, a three-star center. And Miles Wilmoth, a three-star power forward. They're getting two transfers. Bo Hodges from Eastern Tennessee State is going to be sitting out his first year, but will return as a point guard. And then we got Jer Bolden, who is coming from the South Carolina Gamecocks who will be a guard. It's going to be a fallout year for the Butler Bulldogs. This is going to be the year that they can't really do much. Maybe Aaron Thompson, the guard, who will now be a senior, maybe he could do something. But things for the Butler Bulldogs aren't looking too good in the biggest conference, especially with limited non-conference play, which I think is where they built a lot of momentum into conference play. So Butler Bulldogs take the eighth in my predictions. Now going into the seventh spot, was the Providence Friars under head coach Ed Cooley. And we all know the sleeper run they went on last year. Nobody was expecting the Friars to do that well. And they were looking like they were going to make the big dance. Of course, that did not happen because of COVID-19. But the Friars were looking good coming into postseason college basketball. I have them sitting seventh in the Big East Conference. 
which is like mid-tier. I'm considering them a bubble this year. They could be either in or out or a top NIT seed. NIT seed, yes, correct. And it looks like they're losing Khalif Young, Malik White, Luane Pipkins, Noah Holcher, Emmett Holt, and Alpha Diallo, which is probably the biggest loss for the Providence Friars. But hey, looking at some commitment, they have a signed letter of intent in Alan Breed, who is a three-star shooting guard, and a hard commit in Jayara Davis, who is a three-star small forward, and Bryson Gooden, a shooting guard transfer out of Syracuse. There is no say on his word of eligibility. Providence, I don't know if they could go on the same sleeper run they did last year, especially with all this conference play, but who knows? Maybe Ed Cooley and the Friars can pull it off again. All right, and coming in at number six, welcoming to the Big East is Dan Hurley and the Yukon Huskies. You know, it's going to be a weird season for the Huskies. They could honestly fall to the bottom. They can rise to the top. I think the main reason they honestly moved back to the Big East Conference is because of their women's college basketball team because they have been dominant over the last few years. But taking a look at the men's basketball team, we have three hard commits in Andre Jackson, who is a four-star small forward, Adama Sango, a four-star center, Javante Brown-Ferguson, a three-star center, and then they have a transfer from Rhode Island who is sitting out his first year is Tyrese Barton, the shooting guard. I put them right in the middle because I honestly don't know how they're going to do. They could fall to the bottom, they could be the biggest loser in the Big East, or they could surprise everybody and rise to the top of the conference. That is why I put them right in the middle. Right now, I'm going to consider them a bubble for March Madness play, but I almost would say a locked-in bubble, if that makes sense, you know. Like you're in one of those playing games, maybe in the first four for the Huskies. But we will have to see how UConn does in their first season back in the Big East Conference. And of course, last year, the Marquette Golden Eagles looked like a Big East Conference championship contender kind of team. Well, this year, they take number five in my Big East Conference standing predictions after the loss of Marcus Howard, their star player. Nah. You know, it, it was a loss, but they're getting a transfer like DJ Carton from Ohio State, who did some good things for the Buckeyes, looking to do some better things for the Golden Eagles. They are also losing Jace Johnson and Sakar Anim, who Sakar Anim actually was a very, very good player, and I think he was probably the most underrated player on the Marquette basketball team. But looking at some commits for Marquette, and actually this is going to be signed letter of intent first, we have a four-star power forward in Dawson. Dawson Garcia, a four-star power forward in Justin Lewis, and another four-star power forward in Asare Igadaro. And wow, power forwards all over the place. It doesn't look like they're going to be needing any upgrades in that position soon. I already mentioned the transfer in DJ Carton, and they also have a Jose Perez from Gardner-Webb coming here. It looks like he's going to sit out his first year. So big things could be coming for Marquette in the future. This season is kind of up in the air. I do have them making the March Madness tournament. The question is, can they make the same impact they did last year? And moving on to number four is the Xavier Musketeers under head coach Travis Steele. Last year was a pretty decent year with the head star player of Xavier, Najee Marshall. He is now leaving Xavier. So how are things going to look for the Big East? Well, it doesn't look too bad. They have two four-star recruits. They have Dwan Odom, a four-star point guard, 
and another four-star shooting guard in C.J. Wilcher, and then they also have a three-star Kobe Jones, who plays shooting guard, and then they have a couple of transfers. They have Adam Kunkel, who is not ranked with any stars coming from Belmont, and then an immediate eligibility in Nate Johnson, who is a shooting guard. No rankings or stars for him, but he is coming from Gardner-Webb. The only big loss here is going to be Najee Marshall for the Musketeers. What are they going to be able to do in the Big East? Well, I have them sitting at number four in the standing. I think Xavier will make March Madness this year. The question is, how far can they go? Can they make a Sweet 16 run? Can they make an Elite 8 run? It all depends on how this year goes for Travis Steele and the Musketeers. And coming in at number three is the Seton Hall Pirates. Now, the Seton Hall Pirates, of course, are losing a lot of seniors this year. They're losing Quincy McKnight. They're losing Miles Powell. They're losing Romaro Gill. You know, Kevin Willard, though, I think everything will be fine. I think... Tyrese Samuel will step up this year. He was a freshman last year, becoming a sophomore. I think he'll step up for the Pirates. And looking at some recruiting for the Pirates, they have two hard commits. They have a three-star shooting guard in Dominguez Stevens, another three-star point guard in Jahari Long to maybe build up into that point guard position Quincy McKnight had, and a couple of transfers. They have a four-star transfer out of Missouri, Trey Jackson, who will play power forward, and a four-star transfer from Harvard with immediate eligibility as a point guard, once again filling the shoes of Quincy McKnight since he is now leaving Seton Hall. I don't know what you guys want to consider. Seton Hall, yes, lost a lot of key role players, but they have the bench for it to fill in. I don't think it's going to be too bad of a year for the Seton Hall Pirates. I think they're going to probably be a top six seed when it comes to March Madness. I don't know if they'll do as much as they did last year, but I think it still will be a very good year for Kevin Willard and the Seton Hall Pirates. All right, now talking about my favorite team, the Creighton Blue Jays. What an astounding year they had last year. They had a share in the Big East Championship win along with Seton Hall and Villanova. The only big loss, and let me just say an enormous loss, we lost Tyshawn Alexander. He is in the draft. Who knows if he'll actually get drafted or not. I hope he does because he's an astounding player. But taking a look at Creighton this year, under head coach Greg McDermott, of course, they have two signed letters of intent. They have Raddy Andronaut Cavilli, who is a four-star point guard. They have Modestus Conclaris, who is a three-star power forward. We have a hard commit in Ryan Kalkbrenner, a four-star center. And then we have a transfer from Duke, who will be sitting out his first year a four-star shooting guard in Alex O'Connell. And you know what? The only thing I think Creighton needs to figure out this year is, of course, I think Ryan Kalkbrenner will be starting at center. And who do you put at the power forward position? Do you put Damian Jefferson? Do you put Christian Bishop? That's going to be a scenario for Greg McDermott to figure out. I do have Creighton making the big tournament, and I think they're going to be a two or a three seed when it comes to March. I'm very excited as a Creighton Blue Jay fan. The only thing that gives me a little bit of doubt is that they have all these conference games, but last year they played really, really well in conference play. They beat Seton Hall both times, and they did really well against Butler. I think they split with Butler, and they split with Xavier. I believe, actually, no, they swept Xavier. So things are looking good for the Blue Jays. They just got to continue the momentum roll this year and keep that recruiting process going. This was a very good year for Greg McDermott and the Blue Jays in recruiting. And coming in at number one, I consider them one of the newer Blue Bloods, is the Villanova Wildcats under head coach Jay Wright. Now, they actually don't have any recruitment this year, which kind of hurts the organization of Villanova. They did lose Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey is projected to go late first round in the NBA draft, so congratulations to this Sadiq Bey. 
Um, it's looking like it's going to be a pretty good year for Villanova. The only problem is, is that they didn't get any recruits or transfers or anything. So I wouldn't be worried about this year. I think they'll actually do really well this year. I think they could be a two or maybe even a one seed in March. But the next following years might be a little tough. You're going to see these players go in and out, and it's not going to be too bright for Jay Wright. So he needs to get his recruitment process going again. He's usually really good at it. Get someone who can you build your team around. Right now, you have Colin Galipsy, who is awesome. Colin Galipsy is a fantastic point guard, but he's going to be on his way out maybe to the draft soon, or he's going to graduate. So you got to figure something out. Not a very good year for recruitment, but I think it'll be a good year for the Villanova Wildcats. All right, so that is going to do it for our college basketball portion of the podcast. Let's move on to NBA basketball, where, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers won their 17th title under LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And let me just say that last game was a complete blowout, a little bit disappointing on the final note for the Miami Heat in their season. But hey, I called it. I knew Miami could push a game five, and they did. And then I had the Lakers taking it all, which they did in game six. And wow, it was a very good series, very good playoff picture. And let me just say big credits to Adam Silver and the NBA commission. No COVID cases over a period of 172 basketball games. The bubble worked phenomenally, and I think they did the best out of every single sport with COVID cases. They didn't have any. That's awesome. So... Other sports need to follow that format. Follow the bubble format. It worked really well. You know, of course, you're going to have a couple COVID cases here and there. But wow, that looked a lot better. It was still fun to watch. I know this year the viewership for the NBA Finals was a little low. People say it's because of politics. People just say because of the bubble. You know, still awesome. Still an NBA championship to the Los Angeles Lakers and a good dedication to Kobe Bryant. Now, let's take a look at the mock draft for November 18th, where they are holding the NBA draft. No word on if it's going to be virtual. I personally think it's probably going to be virtual, kind of like the NFL draft this year. And, you know, that format was a little bit different, but, you know, that's the best way they could do it. So I'm going to go through the first 10 picks and giving them my personal opinion on who they should take. So let's start with number one, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, the Minnesota Timberwolves has had many times to go through a good rebuild process with Carl Anthony Towns, who was still there. They had Jimmy Butler. They had Andrew Wiggins. They even had Ricky Rubio a couple years back. And now they're back at the number one pick. Things aren't looking good for Minnesota. They need to get back into that NBA playoff picture. So with the first pick in my mock draft, I have them taking Anthony Edwards, a shooting guard out of Georgia. I honestly don't think there's a better pick. You could argue maybe for LaMelo Ball, but I don't think LaMelo Ball is the same caliber as Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards has good shot making, which Minnesota Timberwolves kind of need right now. And call Anthony Towns, keep in mind, he is an offensive set center and Anthony Edwards and I think him could play really well together. So I am having the Minnesota Timberwolves take Anthony Edwards. I almost consider that a lock-in. I will be surprised if Minnesota takes anybody else. That is just my opinion. Take Anthony Edwards. Start getting back into the playoff picture because, wow, that's just, it's embarrassing. They've had many years to do it and many picks and players to do it, and nothing's working for him. They even had Jimmy Butler at some point, and Jimmy Butler wanted out of Minnesota, and now look, he was just in the NBA Finals, and the Minnesota Timberwolves are now in the first pick in the NBA Draft. So look, Jimmy Butler got the best of that. So, Minnesota Timberwolves, take Anthony Edwards with your first pick. 
do something good there, make him and Carl Anthony Towns have good chemistry so when it comes to the court, they can play really well together and they could be known as one of the dominant duos in the NBA this year. And coming in with the second pick, I cannot believe I'm saying this, is the Golden State Warriors who were beat up with injuries. No Stephen Curry, no Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson is practicing again. So taking a look at who they have, they have Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and they have Kevon Looney, the former UCLA Bruin, as center. Well, you know who they should take? They should take James Wiseman, the center, who... I guess didn't really play for Memphis, but he went to college to Memphis, or he's going to college at Memphis. So take James Wiseman. They really haven't had a consistent center since Andrew Bogut in like 2013-2014. The Golden State Warriors just need a big guy. They tried with DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins is not the same New Orleans or Sacramento DeMarcus Cousins he was. Now, James Wiseman, I think, will actually make an instant impact in Golden State, and I think Golden State's going to be a champion contender again. As long as injuries stay away and James Wiseman develops the way he's supposed to, this could be a very good year for Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors. Injuries just need to stay away, develop James Wiseman, get Andrew Wiggins into the system of Golden State. I kind of was surprised when he got traded to Golden State because I didn't know how Andrew Wiggins would fit under Steve Kerr's system. So we will have to see how Andrew Wiggins develops under Steve Kerr's system this year and adding James Wiseman to the lineup. And now taking a look at the third pick under the Charlotte Hornets, these last few years, losing Kemba Walker, losing Dwight Howard, just wow. Um, the Charlotte Hornets are under almost complete rebuild mode again. They did have Terry Rozier, the, the former Louisville Cardinal, who actually played pretty well when he was in Boston. Charlotte, yeah, you know, played decently, but that's why I'm having the Charlotte Hornets take LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo Ball is a good starting point for the Hornets. He is a good playmaker, and he drives to the basket. Personally, I think LaMelo Ball is better than Lonzo Ball in New Orleans, so I would love to see LaMelo Ball do some good things in Charlotte, be the new Kemba Walker, and I think maybe in a couple years that they can get some key players into Charlotte, start making the NBA playoffs, and maybe even become a championship contender. A lot of work to still be done in Charlotte, though. And taking a look at the number four spot, my personal favorite NBA team who has been struggling the last few years is the Chicago Bulls under new head coach Billy Donovan. See, at first, I wanted to say Obi Toppin from Dayton, but Obi Toppin plays power power forward, and we already have a good power forward in Laurie Markkinen. Zach Levine has stayed dedicated to the Chicago program, and I love that. There was a couple times where I was like, he's going to get sick of Chicago and wanting to leave, but no, he is still there. That is why I'm having the Chicago Bulls take Denny Avija. He is a small forward. You know, the Chicago Bulls have been lacking forwards ever since Jimmy Butler was there, and they need to put someone there. They've tried Denzel Valentine from Michigan State. He didn't work out too well. I think they even tried Bobby Portis, but he was more of a power forward. He had his shines, but not really. Doug McDermott didn't really work out. Nikola Mirotic doesn't even play for the NBA anymore. He plays internationally. So take Denny Avija. He's a good shot maker, and that is definitely what the Chicago Bulls need right now is good shot making. And Billy Donovan builds his offense around good shot making. So I think Avija and Donovan will be a good fit for Chicago. Now, taking a look at number five is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ever since LeBron left, ever since Kevin Love has been on a decline, they do have Colin Sexton, the point guard from Alabama, who I think is actually pretty good. 
And now they should add it by drafting Obi Toppin, the Dayton Flyer, who did phenomenal things for that program last year. Take over for Cleveland. Take over the Kevin Love system. Obi Toppin, of course, isn't much of a three-point shooter, more of a defensive and around-the-rim player, and I think that's kind of what Cleveland needs. Colin Sexton can really depend on him in the paint, pass it down to him. Obi Toppin can definitely control the paint when it comes to defense. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers have a good pick in Obi Toppin, and honestly, I feel like Obi Toppin drops a little far in here. Going down to number five, like I said, I did want him to put it under Chicago, but I felt Minnesota, Golden State, and Charlotte, their picks fit them better. Chicago Bulls, you can make an argument for, but at Cleveland, I think this is a steal to get Obi Toppin with the fifth pick in the NBA draft. And taking a look at number six, who can help Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks get back to that playoff picture? My first thought is Isaac Okoro, the Auburn Tiger who plays a small forward position. I think this would be a phenomenal start, and I can picture it right now how well the chemistry Trey Young and Isaac Okoro can have on the court. This could be a very good dynamic duo, maybe not a dynamic duo to get you to the playoffs unless some ownership and background sources do something they need to bring more players in heck we all know that Giannis isn't happy in Milwaukee who knows what Devin Booker is wanting to do in Phoenix bring them in make it an all-star trio and do something in Atlanta Atlanta was pretty decent like five years ago and now they've fought they've fallen to the bottom they need to do something in Atlanta draft Isaac Okoro go from there build more players take advantage of free agency this season I think that's the big thing they need to do in Atlanta and taking a look at number seven, the Detroit Pistons, they need a playmaker, so why not take Killian Hayes, who plays internationally? He looks like he is a very good passer and playmaker, and that's kind of what Detroit needs right now, with Blake Griffin especially. I like Blake Griffin. Luke Kennard, you know, yeah, he's he's an alright shooting guard. They need to do more things with Luke Kennard, but start out with getting Killian Hayes, maybe have him be a backup for a little bit just to get started, but I think he could really help this Detroit program out. I think it's going to be a couple years before we get to see Detroit back in the playoffs, but hey, getting Killian right away, Killian Hayes, good start. Get him this year with the draft pick and move forward with it. And every single year, the New York Knicks just do not have good luck when it comes to the draft lottery. They fall to number eight. Of course, they've had a few decent picks. Of course, they got Chris Tapps Porzingis, who no longer plays in New York. He plays in Dallas now. They did get Kevin Knox, which, in my opinion, is probably their best player right now. You can make an argument for the former Duke Blue Devil, RJ Barrett. But I think right now, they need a big man. A big man like Onyeka Okongwu, the former USC Trojan. I think they need to. Just have a good center. They have the forwards. They have the guards. Just do something with the center. Bobby Portis has been playing the power forward position and switching on from center. Bobby Portis is good, but he's more of a stretch center. You need someone who plays the center position in general. So Onyeka Akongwu would be a good start for the Knicks. And unfortunately, even though they kind of fell in the lottery and they probably wouldn't get somebody like Obi Toppin, this is still a decent pick, and I think they could build from here, getting a good starting lineup, which imagine right now, they could have Dennis Smith, then they could have RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox, Bobby Portis, Onyeka Okongwu. That is a pretty good starting lineup, and things could be trending the right direction this year for New York.
And if we want to talk about a team that was flooded with injuries, that's the Washington Wizards. First of all, Bradley Beal being snubbed from the All-Star game is a whole different topic, but I just wanted to point that out. Bradley Beal is a fantastic shooting guard. John Wall hopefully will be able to return for the Washington Wizards if the season starts in December. However, they need more forwards or a center. Well, I have a stretch forward and a stretch center in Precious Achiwa, the former Memphis Tiger who I think could play really well for the Washington Wizards. You can make an argument that Chiwa is going a little bit too high in this draft, but I think the Wizards need a stretch forward or a stretch center, and this is a good start for them. Bradley Beal and John Wall have it on the backcourt, and now we need someone to be able to do something on the front court. And looking at our 10th and final pick is the Phoenix Suns. We don't know what's going to go on with Devin Booker. Is he going to stay in Phoenix? Is he going to leave elsewhere? Or is he going to stay? Well, here's the thing. Whether Devin Booker stays or not, I have a feeling after this season, if Phoenix just doesn't do well, you know, Devin Booker's going to be on the out. He's going to want to win games. So bring in another Devin. Bring in Devin Vassell, the shooting guard, the Florida State Seminole. He is not as good as Devin Booker, of course. Devin Booker is a all-star caliber player. Devin Vassell is a starter, and I think he could do some good things in Phoenix. He's probably going to have to play behind Devin Booker if Devin Booker stays in Phoenix. But hey, that's some good training and mentorship for Devin Vassell. And I think the Phoenix could have a key role player in this Florida State Seminole. So get Devin Vassell just in case Devin Booker is on the out of Phoenix. And that will do it for our NBA and college basketball section. For NBA next week, we're going to talk about the mock draft 11 through 20 picks. Of course, with the NBA draft happening on November 18th, I want to get through all these picks. And NBA draft is my favorite thing to see which players are going to help the organization or proceed in their rebuild process. And I am so excited. So let's go on and get on with our next segment. And our next segment of our podcast is going to be college football. Last week, we talked about Big Ten and Pac-12 conference predictions. Of course, the Big Ten is starting on October 24th and the Pac-12 starting in November. Today, I'm going to give my current playoff picture predictions. And then I'm going to give a couple formats that the College Football Commission probably has considered before. And I've seen it all over Twitter. They need to expand on how many teams should be able to make the playoffs. So I will be talking about that. But first, let's get off to my current playoff picture predictions. So in number one, I think no surprise is Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. Of course, we saw them last year face LSU in the college championship. Very impressive team. I have Clemson as a one seed right now. LSU is not even ranked anymore. There's no Spencer Rattler in the Oklahoma Sooners. They're not even going to be in this. So I think this belongs to Clemson. However, following them in the number two spot who they faced last year in the playoffs is the Ohio State Buckeyes. I have them going undefeated this season. Justin Fields, head coach Ryan Day, they were a dominant force last year, and I think they're going to continue dominating the Big Ten and possibly even becoming the college football champions. And of course, number three, the Alabama Crimson Tide with head coach Nick Saban, which, yes, news just broke out that he tested positive for COVID-19, but they are still on a dominant run, and they come in at the number three. We haven't seen them in the playoff picture in the last couple years, so it's nice to see the Crimson Tide come back in there. And then coming in at number four is Georgia. Georgia has kind of, I wouldn't say say sleeper, but has been silent this year. Nobody really expected them to be this dominant this year. 
I mean, everyone knew that they were a really good team, but playoff picture good? Okay, there we go. So Georgia's coming in, rolling at number four. Now, here's a couple of outsider picks. Number five, I have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Right now, I believe they're ranked four, and they're ranked in the playoff picture. But honestly, I just think they're going to sit right outside the top four. And number six, I have the Oklahoma State Cowboys. What a start they have had. They are undefeated at the moment. And I'm guessing a lot of you are like, wait, what happened to the North Carolina Tar Heels? Yes, the North Carolina Tar Heels are on a hot streak right now, but I think that hot streak is going to come to an end here shortly. So, in my playoff picture, I have Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. In my bubbles are Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. And now we're going to start talking about a couple formats for the playoff pictures. So I have a couple of ideas, and now one of them I like a lot better than the other. But you know what? As long as we have an expansion in the playoff picture, I'm going to be happy. So the first one I want to mention is the top 16 college football teams make it. And this is according to the AP poll, not the coaches poll or anything like that, but just the top 16 teams. Doesn't matter who the conference champions are. It just all depends on how they were ranked. So if we did follow that format, let's take a look at like which teams would make the college playoffs if it were to start today. So number one would be Clemson, number two would be Alabama, number three would be Georgia, number four would be Notre Dame, five North Carolina, six Ohio State, seven Oklahoma State, eight Cincinnati, nine Penn State, ten Florida, eleven Texas A&M, twelve Oregon, thirteen Miami, fourteen BYU, fifteen Auburn, and number sixteen the Wisconsin Badgers. All sixteen of those teams would make the college playoff and follow that format. And I think it would be a lot of fun. Now, taking a look at some of the negatives, though, that is a big playoff pictures, and that could have a lot of doubt and stress and a lot of fatigue in these players, which could cause injury. So I kind of understand why they haven't expanded maybe to 16. Maybe eight teams would be better, but I think 16 would be a good start just to see. And you know what? If they try it one year and there's so much fatigue in the players and too many injuries, then move down to the eight teams. But only the top 16 teams would make it. You'd have to impress on whoever decides the AP poll. You have to impress the coaches, impress the staff, get into the top 16 so you could be a part of the college playoff picture. And let me say this. I think there would be a lot more upsets. Last year, LSU was number one. Who knows what could have happened if there was a 16-team format. It could have been LSU could have lost in the first round. Who knows? That's what makes college football interesting. That's what makes this format interesting. So that is my first pitch for the college football playoff format. Alright, and my second pitch for the college football playoff format is actually very similar to the first pitch. Oh, there would still be 16 teams, but who makes it is a lot different. I would split it up by divisions. The only one I would put together is the Sunbelt Conference because, you know what, they're a smaller conference anyway, so whoever the Sunbelt champion is should make the college football playoffs. So that means if you win your division, you make the college football playoffs. So for the Big Ten, I had Minnesota taking one division and I had Ohio State taking the other. They would both make it. Of course, one of them would be the Big Ten champions and higher seeded, but the other one would still make it, just lower seeded. So this would kind of... It follows almost like the March Madness format in basketball, but of course, you know, there's a big risk of an injury in football compared to basketball. So the doubt here is the college football playoffs probably wouldn't be as interesting, but of course there is that chance of a huge upset happening. So like right now, a 16-seeded Eastern Michigan taking on number one Clemson. Imagine if Eastern Michigan knocked off Clemson. 
there would be a huge surprise factor. It would be a lot of fun to fill out like a college football playoff bracket. Rather than just doing four teams, you're doing 16 teams. Just imagine the pool of betting and gambling that would happen all across the states. And no, I am not endearing gambling. I'm just saying it would be chaotic. And I think it would be a lot of fun. Upsets happen all the time in sports, so it would make it interesting. That is kind of the pitch that I am not a fan of, but it would make some interesting games. I like my first pitch the most, the top 16 teams in the AP pool. The only thing that's negative with that one is that lower teams that worked super hard to win their conference championship aren't really getting anything for it besides their trophy. They should make the college playoff picture so it pays off in the end. And the only kind of negative things to both of those pitches is the whole bowl idea. Maybe you would have to organize bowls a certain way. But like, what would the second round of bowl games be called? What would the semifinal bowl games be called? It's all about the bowl games. So there's negatives to both of those aspects. And But you know what? I'm sure there's other people who have better ideas with those bowl games and the college football playoffs. That's just my personal pitches, and I think they would work pretty well. Of course, they have their negatives, but I just don't believe four teams is enough. Maybe try expanding to eight. Eight would be a good start. You know what? Even if you did all the big conferences, the winner of those conferences make the college football playoffs, that would be fine. But just involve more teams rather than just the top four teams. It would be an awesome it would be an awesome year to do it. I wish they did it this year because with COVID, who knows what's going to happen at the end of the football year. Or try it next year when hopefully things are a lot better around the world and we have more fans in the stands. Just change it soon so we have more interest in college football and the college football playoffs and opportunities for these young players and coaches. Now, moving on to the NFL side of things, I'm going to be talking about the Week 6 matchups. Week 5, wow. A lot of chaos in week five. We had the Bears beat the Buccaneers by one point because of a stupid mistake by the veteran Tom Brady. That was insane. He thought it was third down when it was actually fourth down, meaning the Bears got the win. The Texans finally got their first win. The Ravens destroyed Joe Burrow and the Bengals. The Panthers continue to make the Falcons winless. The Raiders had a surprise win over the Chiefs. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals took it over the Jets. The Steelers crushed, uh, I shouldn't say crushed the Eagles, but they had a dominant win over the Eagles. The Rams took out Washington, and I was right about the Dolphins beating the 49ers, and wow, Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing a lot better this year than he was last year. The Dallas Cowboys, which we will get to about Dak Prescott, beat the Giants by three points. The Browns defeated Phillip Rivers and the Colts. The Seahawks what a comeback for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf beating the Vikings 27-26. to The Saints beating the Los Angeles Chargers in overtime. And the Titans defeating Josh Allen and the Bills by a large margin. So let's start talking about these Week 6 matchups and see how they are doing. So we're going to start off with the Houston Texans taking on the undefeated Tennessee Titans. The Texans, of course, got their first win and now the Titans coming off their little COVID-19 outbreak. They had a dominant win over the Bills. I'm taking the Titans in this one. As much as I want to take the Texans, the Texans have not had a good year, especially without DeAndre Hopkins. They fired Bill O'Brien a week ago. The Titans have everything put together. So I'm taking the Tennessee Titans over the Texans. It might be a little bit of a closer game, but I have the Titans pulling this one out. 
And then moving on to Lamar Jackson versus Carson Wentz. I said it last week. The Eagles are kind of a disappointing team this year. So I think we all know who I'm going to pick. I'm going to take Lamar Jackson and the Ravens over the Eagles. And then, of course, we have the Falcons, who just fired their head coach, Dan Quinn, who is now 0-5, taking on the struggling quarterback of Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Now, let me start off this before I make my win prediction here. The Falcons need to start focusing on offense more than their defense. Now, I know the Falcons don't have a phenomenal defense, but I feel like the last five years, that's all they focused on. They focus on it when it comes to the draft with, like, Vic Beasley. You need to bring some offensive guys. Julio Jones isn't going to stay young forever. Matt Ryan's not going to stay young forever. Use Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's phenomenal. Yes, he did declined when he was in Los Angeles, but he's doing better now. Maybe when it comes to the draft, draft another wide receiver to pair up with Julio Jones. You might need to get a backup quarterback. I don't know what Matt Ryan's age. Let me look this up real quick. Matt Ryan's age is currently, he's 35. He's not going to be around Atlanta forever. So they might need to start looking at more of offensive aspects. I know their defense isn't perfect. Maybe when it comes to free agency, look at more defensive stuff. But they've been focusing on defense for so long, their offense is going to start struggling. And you're not going to have Matt Ryan forever. So start focusing on offense when it comes to the draft. And maybe in free agency, get defensive players from there. Anyways, despite that, the Falcons and the Vikings... You know, both of these teams have struggled this year. Kirk Cousins, you know, I was a huge fan of Kirk Cousins last season. This season, he's not doing too hot. But I do have the Vikings pulling this one out against the Falcons, making the Falcons go 0-6. And this next game is probably going to be a very decent game. The Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Cleveland Browns. Both of these teams are on fire. The Steelers are undefeated. The Browns only have one loss. And their offense has been killing it. And that is why I'm taking Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr. against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this could be possibly game of the week. This is awesome. The Steelers have an explosive defense and the Browns have an explosive offense. And they're about to collide for a really good football game. Looking at the next one, we have the Indianapolis Colts taking on Joe Burrow and the Bengals after getting destroyed by the Ravens. And the Colts just recently lost against the Browns. So which teams is going to bounce back? It's going to be the Colts. I think Phillip Rivers and the Colts will pull out the win against the Bengals. The Bengals' defense isn't too and too hot this year. However, I won't be surprised if Cincinnati does get this win. Now, talking about the next game, we have the Detroit Lions against Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, the Jaguars gave the Houston Texans their first win last week, but I think they bounce back this week. I love the pairing of Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark. I think that's a great pairing. Their defense... Now, their defense, of course, last week wasn't the best, but their defense this season has not been too bad. And the Lions don't really have a whole lot of good people. Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay is the really, only the really the only people you really have to worry about. Um, so I think Jacksonville gets the win over Lions. Now, moving on to Nick Foles and the Bears taking on Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. And what a game for Teddy Bridgewater last week. He was really impressive. This is the Teddy Bridgewater that I think North Carolina fans have been wanting to see. He had two touchdowns and only one interception. Not too bad for Bridgewater. I like him as a quarterback at a Louisville and he takes on the dominant defense in the Bears and I think the Bears are going to take this one with Nick Foles so Bears over Panthers for that one and then looking at the next game Daniel Jones and the Giants taking on Alex Smith with his amazing comeback story in Washington 
So for this game, I'm going to have the Giants take it over Washington. It just kind of all depends on how Alex Smith develops over the next few weeks when he's making his comeback. Will he be able to make it back to his caliber that he was in Kansas City, or is he going to kind of fall down the charts? And of course, the Denver Broncos taking on the New England Patriots. It does sound like Cam Newton will play this game, and that makes me pick the Patriots. If it was still Brian Hoyer, maybe I'd pick an upset in Denver, but I'm going to stick with the Patriots. And moving on to the next game, Sam Darnold and the Jets, who right now have not won a game, taking on the Miami Dolphins, who's done a lot better recently. They just took out the NFC champions, the San Francisco 49ers. Ryan Fitzpatrick had an awesome game. I love Devontae Parker, the wide receiver. He's done a lot. So I'm going to pick the Dolphins over the Jets. The Dolphins are secretly becoming a sleeper. Nobody expected them to do as well as they're doing right now. So congrats to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins. Now, the other game that could possibly... Actually, there's a lot of games that could be really good this week. And this one is the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking this one. And I think this is a game that could go in overtime. Of course, the Buccaneers had a stupid mistake last week against the Bears. But hey, the Packers right now are undefeated. Aaron Rodgers has some dominant forces. And I'm really excited to see both of these offenses go at each other. I do think Tampa Bay has the better defense with Levante David, which go Cornhusker Nation. So I'm going to have the Buccaneers over the Packers in this game. Now the next one is the 49ers in the Los Angeles Rams in that. Before I get started, I just want to say I think Jimmy Garoppolo was a one-year wonder for San Francisco, and they may need to look for another quarterback in the draft or in free agency. So I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams. I could see San Francisco winning this game because I don't really think Jared Goff and his offense isn't doing much, but their defense is definitely holding up with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on that defensive side. So I'm going to have the 49ers take this game, but I won't be surprised if the Rams take this one. Now, moving on to the Chiefs, who had an upset taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Also, though, the Bills losing against the Titans in dramatic fashion. We get to see Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. We're going to see an offensive fest. I think this is going to be the highest scoring game of the week. And guess what? I'm actually going to take the Bills, and that hurts for me to say as a Chiefs fan. But the Chiefs did not look good last week against the Raiders. It depends on if they bounce back. But I just believe in the Bills in this game, and it's at... The Bills' home stadium, very limited attendance, of course, but still, not too bad. And taking a look at our final game is going to be the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray taking on Andy Dalton and the Dallas Cowboys. Last week, we saw Dak Prescott suffered a gruesome ankle injury, and it doesn't look like he's going to be coming back this season. I believe he's out from four to six months. However, I think the Cowboys are going to be okay. Andy Dalton, I was... They didn't mind Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. I know he didn't do great things, but he's not a terrible quarterback, so I don't think Dallas really needs to worry about their quarterback situation. Still, though, they're facing Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, so I'm going to take the Cardinals and Coach Cliff Kingsbury. All right, and now it is time for the last segment of the podcast called Rank'em, where I will rank today. I'm going to be ranking the top 10 NBA free agents going into the 2021 basketball season. Rumor has it that the season will start in December. There's going to be a small free agency period between the NBA draft in November and December. So let's take a look at the top 10 free agents. I'm going to be labeling where their best fit is. Will they stay with the team that they are previously signed with, or are they going to have a new home? And starting off with number 10, 
the current NBA champion in Dwight Howard. What a career Dwight Howard has had. He has spent it with multiple teams. He is currently signed with the Lakers. We heard today or recently that Anthony Davis is staying in Los Angeles. So I'm thinking Dwight Howard should also stay in Los Angeles. Continue to build the big man resume down in the Lakers. We all know about Alex Caruso, who started over Howard in one of the games in the Heat series. Alex Caruso is good. Dwight Howard, you know, maybe he's not the same caliber that he used to be all-star status. But another good spot for him, I think, would be Miami. You know, of course, you have Bam Adebayo, but you could put Bam Adebayo at a power forward and put Dwight Howard at a center position. They don't have Hassan Whiteside anymore. They need that big guy down low. So if Dwight Howard does not want to stay in Los Angeles, which I personally think he should, then he should go to the Miami Heat. Good spot for him. Maybe a good way to end his career, and it could possibly be with another NBA championship ring. And that brings me to number nine, the former Creighton Blue Jay, Kyle Korver, who right now is spending his time with Milwaukee Bucks, which of course the Milwaukee Bucks had their season ended a lot earlier than fans expected. He could either stay with the Bucks, or I think he could return back to Atlanta where his career was rejuvenated, or maybe it's time for Kyle Korver to finally hang up the boots. He is getting up there in age, and I know he's talked about it. He's spent time with multiple teams, but I'm saying if he wants to spend more and more year, I think Atlanta would be a nice way to end it. That is where he broke records for most three-pointers in a game or I'm um, excuse me, most three-pointers in a game in a row if that makes sense. I think he had like 120 games in a row where he shot a three-pointer and he broke an NBA record for it and then he became known for his three-point shooting. It would be a nice way for him to end his career if he retires after the NBA draft or something like that. Don't be surprised but I'm just saying I think it would be nice if he ended it back in Atlanta where his career was started and he started becoming an all-star right in Atlanta and I think it would just be a great spot for him. And that brings me to number eight, Tristan Thompson, who still plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He has spent his entire career there, and personally, I do not think he should stay in Cleveland. I think it's time to use him elsewhere, and I'm going to bring up three different teams. I think the Dallas Mavericks would be a good start. Tristan Thompson is known for his rebounding. Chris Taps Porzingis is known for his blocking. Put a defensive pairing in Dallas with Chris Taps Porzingis and Tristan Thompson. I think that would be a good start. The Mavericks are basically starting to look like contenders, and I think Tristan Thompson would definitely help that process. And then the other team I'm going to bring up is the Houston Rockets, who right now, they're number one, they're looking for a new head coach. Number two, they're now looking for a new general manager who just stepped down recently. So, you know what? Help the Rockets out. They have Russell Westbrook. They have James Harden. They do need to put more pieces together in the small forward and power forward position. But hey, there's no Clint Capella there. So stand your ground in Houston. I think Tristan Thompson would be a good fit for that offense. And then taking a look at the Toronto Raptors, Mark Gasol no longer plays for them. So why not pair yourself up with Pascal Siakam and try to get another ring in Toronto under head coach Nick Nurse? I just think Tristan Thompson needs to move on from Cleveland and pair himself up with a good power forward. And that brings me to number seven, the returning Carmelo Anthony. The Portland Trailblazers signed him this season, and he has done very well. I was really disappointed when Carmelo was actually not in the NBA, and the Portland Trailblazers brought him back, and I think Carmelo's thankful for that. I think Damian Lillard is super thankful for that. I personally think he should stay in Portland along with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard 
and Hassan Whiteside, you almost have a championship contender starting lineup right there. However, if he doesn't want to stay in Portland, I think he should go to the Chicago Bulls under new head coach Billy Donovan. I think Billy Donovan's system fits really well with Carmelo Anthony's playing style, and Chicago needs a small forward. I talked about that today in the mock draft, trying to draft Denny Avija. Well, they need Carmelo Anthony. If they get Carmelo Anthony, then they may not need a small forward. Then they could maybe take Obi Toppin. But the Chicago Bulls should try to pursue in signing him, but I'm pretty sure he'll stay in Portland. And taking a look at number six, the former Kentucky Wildcat, De'Aaron Fox, who is signed with the Sacramento Kings, has done a lot in Sacramento, along with Buddy Heald. I think they're actually a pretty good duo in guards, and you know what? You're not seeing that as much in the NBA today. So I think he should stay in Sacramento. I think he's one of the rookies who have actually paid off that Sacramento's drafted. Sacramento's went through so many rookies that didn't work out for him, but De'Aaron Fox actually is. However, if he does not want to spend his NBA career in Sacramento this season, then I think he should take his talents to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who should be in the playoff picture after they get their number one draft pick in Anthony Edwards, hopefully. And I think him and De'Aaron Fox would work really well together. And then, of course, you have the big man Carl Anthony Towns down low. But I'm pretty sure he'll stay in Sacramento. I like him pairing up with Buddy Heald. But if he chooses not to be in Sacramento, then I think Minnesota is the place to be. And then, talking about number five, Goran Dragic, who only got to play one game in the NBA Final Series. You know, I think he should stay in Miami because I think Miami is starting to build things up, but I won't be surprised if he leaves for teams like the Philadelphia 76ers who are in need of a point guard. Obviously, Markel Fultz did not work out for Philadelphia, and they have a new head coach under Doc Rivers. I think Goran Dragic would work really well with him. Or go to the Los Angeles Clippers. They have Paul George. They have Kawhi Leonard. They need a point guard that develops for him and passes it to him. And I think Goran Dragic is a pretty good point guard that could do that. I think he personally fits better in Philadelphia. And I don't know if he's going to stay in Miami, to be honest. Maybe after making the NBA Finals, he decides to stay in Miami. But personally, I think he should be a Philadelphia 76er. All right, and taking a look at number four is Gordon Hayward. What a career he had in Utah and Boston, but I think his chapter in the Celtics comes to an end. He needs to take a look at the teams like the Phoenix Suns, the Chicago Bulls, and the Indiana Pacers, and you're like, Brandon, those are like mid-tier basketball teams. Why are you picking them? Well, I think he would pair really well with Devin Booker in Phoenix. We all know Devin Booker might not stay in Phoenix, but hey, get a guy like Gordon Hayward, and maybe he'll change his mind. And like I said earlier with Carmelo Anthony, the Chicago Bulls need a small forward, and I think Gordon Hayward would fit the Billy Donovan system. And then Indiana, of course, Victor Oladipo is looking for a new home. So why not put Gordon Hayward in Indiana? Try to bring him in. Try to build your team around him like they did in Utah. Utah built the team around him, and it worked wonders for Utah. So do the same thing that Utah did in Indiana, and I think Gordon Hayward could almost have his career rejuvenated again. And taking a look at number three, in my personal opinion, I thought he was the most improved player, and that's Montrezl Harrell. He really pulled a plug in Los Angeles, and I think the Clippers need to pick him, especially if you want to keep that championship caliber starting lineup in Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Montrezl Harrell could really become a future all-star. However, if he chooses not to keep his career in Los Angeles, maybe the Golden State Warriors, we all know they're looking for a big man, but I think they need to take James Wiseman in the draft. I talk about the Houston Rockets, 
with their loss of Clint Capella a few seasons. They need another big man, so why not get Montrezl Harrell? Or even the Toronto Raptors, I talked about Marcus Gasol no longer being there. I think they have a good starting lineup that could make the NBA Finals again, so why not help them out? Montrezl Harrell in Toronto under Nick Nurse, I think that would be a good fit. Both him and Pascal Siakam work the same system. Siakam's more of an offensive forward, Montrezl Harrell more of a rebounding center, but this could be a really good start for Toronto. And speaking of most improved player, let's talk about Brandon Ingram. He did wonders for the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson. Both did a lot for the Pelicans. Another good fit for him would be the Dallas Mavericks. We know about Luka Doncic and Chris Tapps Porzingis, and if they got Tristan Thompson, that would be awesome. But Brandon Ingram, I think, would be a good forward under Coach Rick Carlisle and the Dallas Mavericks. I think that would be a good system. Another good spot for him would be the Houston Rockets. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Brandon Ingram, possibly Montrezl Harrell at center, or maybe even Giannis Adentacumbo. We know there's been a lot of rumors about Giannis. That would be awesome too. Brandon Ingram is definitely a future all-star. He proved that this year in New Orleans. Any team would be lucky to have him. And taking a look at our top free agent is Fred Van Fleet. I personally think he needs to leave the Raptors. I know he's been playing the shooting guard position along with Kyle Lowry, but he needs the point guard position, and we've talked about the 76ers needing a point guard in Goran Dragic, but why not get Fred Van Fleet? Or go to Greg Popovich and San Antonio, start another rebuild process in the Spurs, or mentor Lonzo Ball in New Orleans, Honestly, I think Fred Van Fleet is a very good point guard, and I think he's another future all-star. And the 76ers and the Pelicans are looking to get back in the playoff pictures. The Spurs are more of in a rebuild mode, so I'd be, I would think that Fred Van Fleet would go to Philadelphia and New Orleans before they went to San Antonio. If he stays in Toronto, that's awesome, but personally, I think he should leave Toronto so he can prove his talents on a different team. And now that will do it for my Rankum segment. Thank you for listening to my second episode. If you haven't checked out my first episode, go and check it out. I love doing this so much, and thank you guys so much for listening today. Oh.